Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. I hope you are having an amazing week so far. We had a super warm stretch of weather here over the last couple of weeks, but now we're back to more seasonal temperatures. There's even a chance for snow this week, which my daughters are both very excited about. And even though it's not even Thanksgiving yet, we are slowly starting to put up some Christmas decor. To be honest, I used to be one of those people that thought you should celebrate one holiday before moving on to the next, but if the pandemic has taught us nothing else, it has made us realize what's important in our lives. And for me, that means enjoying today. Enjoy today every day. And if that means celebrating Halloween in January or New Year's on my birthday or Christmas before Thanksgiving, then so be it. I don't know why some people in this world have such an issue with what others do in their lives that bring them joy. If listening to Christmas music in the middle of summer is what someone wants to do, more power to them. And if that doesn't feel good to you, then don't. But we definitely need less Scrooges in this world. Let's just celebrate when people find something that lights them up. And why wait to do something we really want until some date in the future? I've been reminded all too often recently how short this life is that we're living. Stop waiting for tomorrow or next week or next year to do the thing that your heart is calling you to do. Make a decision that you get to be happy right now. Stop using your happiness as some kind of reward for accomplishing a goal. You are worthy of pure joy right here, right now, just as you are. Be who you want to be, do what you want to do, feel what you want to feel. Because at the end of your life, I want you to be so ridiculously happy about how you lived life on your terms. Don't be on your deathbed with regrets. Go and live full out today. Okay, let's get to today's episode because you are in for a real treat. I loved this conversation so much. If you or someone in your life struggles with thyroid issues or really any autoimmune disease, you're going to want to tune in. There is so much goodness in this episode. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Amy Denson. In her former life, she was a professional basketball player. Now she's retired and is a nutritional therapy practitioner, as well as a restorative wellness practitioner, as well as a thyroid mentor as well as general badass educator when it comes to all things about functional health. In this episode, she takes us on her journey of how she discovered she had Hashimoto's disease and was told there was nothing she could do about all the symptoms she was experiencing. She became an advocate for her own health, seeking answers from resources and professionals that would help her. I was diagnosed with thyroid issues right after my first daughter was born in 2007. Never mind that I say my first daughter was born in 2011 during this conversation. It was 2007. My second daughter was born in 2011. And since I would like both of my daughters to come visit me when I'm old, I feel like I need to make sure I correct that here. But it has been a wild ride when it comes to finding answers when it comes to hypothyroidism. 
There is no one-size-fits-all treatment, so it's up to us to take our health into our own hands. And I really loved how Amy and I talked about listening to your intuition when things don't feel right and really becoming your own best advocate. I really think you're going to love this conversation. So without further ado, let's welcome Amy to the show. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. I am so glad you are here and excited to dive into all things thyroid and nutrition and health. But before we do that, I would love for you to select either blue or red. And I have a blue book and a red book, and I will choose a random question from whichever book Mm. you choose. Um, I will go with blue, please. Will people still be eating white bread 20 years from now? Hmm. If they want to eat white bread and if it is serving them to eat white bread, eat the bread, eat the bread. That's always my answer. I don't think there's like a, a one answer for anybody. And especially when it comes to any type of food, but bread is a very hot topic. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've tried to cut back on bread, but man, I love, I love all the bread. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's hard not to love, oh, especially with some butter and mm-hmm. you know, any kind of sauces. Yeah, for sure. So I would love for you to tell my listeners, what was Amy like as a young child? What was your personality like? What did you do for fun? Um, Growing up, I was, I was primarily a single child for, I mean, my first eight years, my brother and I are eight years apart and I just was very active. I was always wanting to be social. I always gravitated towards hanging out with adults or older people. I've just always liked to be around older people. I think just a very wise part of me and I was very active. So I got into sports very early and I did it all. I, I just did anything that was, I could run around and play with my friends and that kind of morphed into doing all the sports. But from a very young age, I think I was 10 years old. I started playing basketball and it just lit a fire in my heart and I just always knew that that was going to carry me pretty long way. So I played all of the sports until I was 16 years old. And then I just decided to pursue basketball and really from ages, gosh, 12 to when I went to college, I very much consumed myself with thriving within the sport. And so with that came a lot of sacrifice and, um, I didn't do a lot of things in high school that maybe it seems to be normal, but I was around some really high end coaches, caliber coaches. And also I was lucky enough to be around and grow up with young women that were also sports obsessed. And so that was just my norm. And so, yeah, so I think it's just as a little kid, I was active and social And that really kind of is the foundation for still who I am today. I love that. So did you want to be a basketball player as an adult when you were a kid? Yeah. And like, that was my only goal. I knew I didn't really realize that there was an opportunity to play professionally until I was like high school, college. I knew that I would like, I don't, I just always knew I knew I was going to get a scholarship somewhere and play if I wasn't hurt. And then after I, um, I played at Arizona state and I was division one scholarship and we made history there with our team. We were the first team to make it to the sweet 16 round of the NCAA tournament. So that's just a lifelong dream. And then I was able to 
play professionally all over the world for eight years and make a living out of it, which I don't think people know as an option. I don't think young women know is an option. And it was, it was hard at times, of course, but it was the most blessed experience to really live out my childhood dream and to be able to really live and and play in my gift for so long. Basketball has given so much to my life. Sports has given so much to my life and it's still really grounded me in who I am, my work ethic, my character, because there's just so many lessons and challenges, the physical challenges. A lot of time, you know, if you're faced with a crossroad of, do I quit or do I push, you know, it just totally can relate to everything else in your life when, when times are hard. So yeah, it's just, I was so lucky to, to be able to live out my, my first dream. Amazing. And so today you are a thyroid mentor. So I would Mm -hmm. love to know what that is and what was your journey to get there? I played until I was 30 years old. I retired and I retired on my own accord, which I always wanted to do that. And it was just a lot of change. I I was coming back to the United States after not really living here since college. I was in a serious relationship. I had no job and I was struggling getting a job because people really weren't acknowledging my career. And so there was a huge identity shift and kind of crisis for me. I was like, well, who am I without, without saying I'm Amy, a professional basketball player? Who am I? So there was just quite a few years of struggle. And I ended up in a division one coaching position, which I thought, well, duh, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I was very good at it. I felt, you know, kind of in my zone here, but I found myself in a pretty toxic work environment with the adults around me. And for three years, I was blaming myself for not being able to fit in with them. For three years, I thought, what's wrong with me? For three years, I thought I'm not doing enough. For three years, I questioned myself and my my knowledge in the game, my knowledge to mentor, to coach young women. And I just felt like I was scratching to be a part of something that it just wasn't ever intended for me to be a part of. But it, it I thought about it nonstop. And I was stressed about it. I I always felt like I was missing out or left out or not doing enough. Well, in that time when my stress was just starting to, you know, continually trend up, I also started feeling more and more unlike myself was the best way I could describe it. So I was gaining weight when I was doing the same type of workouts that I only knew how to do. I only really knew how to push myself to the absolute limit because that's just what you do to get in shape. And I wasn't working out the same, but it was very similar. I was eating the same, still gaining weight. I thought I was experiencing insomnia. I was grinding my teeth at night. My jaw was really sore. And the the cherry on top was I started to lose my hair. And so for me, I didn't really look at all of this is a big picture. I took everything personally where I was like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I experiencing this? Why can't I fix this? Why, you know, I'm a professional athlete. I should be able to, you know, I know a lot about food and everything that works for my body. And so I did a lot of the blame game for a while. I ended up getting a bloody nose and I had to go to the emergency room because I couldn't get it stopped. And the ear, nose and throat doctor, I had my head back and he was like, oh my gosh, you have huge nodules in your neck you need to go get those biopsied ASAP. So I was like very nervous, got them biopsied. I went to a top endocrinologist, 
where she was like, Hey, yeah, you have Hashimoto's. I'm like, okay, well, what is that? And she's like, well, it's an autoimmune disease that your body thinks your thyroid is a foreign invader. And so it's doing its job and it's attacking your thyroid. And this was my second autoimmune diagnosis. I was also born with an autoimmune disorder. So I was like, okay, well, well, how do we fix it? And she's like, well, we don't really do anything. We just kind of let your body do its thing until your thyroid just isn't functioning. And then we will start like hormone supplements. And I was that, and my immediate thought was that doesn't make sense, but I didn't say anything. And so I was like, could this be related to any, any of these weird symptoms I'm experiencing? And she said, no. And so for me growing up, she obviously knows more than I would know. She is a doctor. She is, you know, this is her, her jam. This is her area. And so I accepted it even though I had a kind of a little inkling that said, maybe this isn't the right answer for me, but I kept it moving. And for the next two or three years, I went from doctor to doctor to doctor, one who prescribed me sleeping pills, one who I went to a dermatologist because I had, I'm Googling my way through everything. And I went to a dermatologist because they can help with hair loss. And at 33 years old, I had a dermatologist tell me I was prematurely balding and I should look into Rogaine. And so every time I kept getting these answers for me, I was just like, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem right. And so we had had people over, I think it was 2018 over to our house for a Memorial day weekend. And the whole weekend I felt miserable. And I put on like a tough, you know, tough, strong front. Cause I don't want to make heaven forbid. I make anybody else feel a certain way. And I just felt so low and I physically like felt so low. And so the door shut, everybody left. I turned to my husband and I just start bawling. And I said, this cannot be the way that I feel for the rest of my life. There's no way. First of all, I'm just going to say, I just do not accept this. This is no way to live. I don't know what's going on. The best way I could describe it was I just felt so unlike myself and physically looking in the mirror. I just didn't recognize myself. I just looked different to myself. It was literally that day that I started to kind of take my health into my own hands. I started to really outwardly advocate for myself when I thought something was off or I just didn't accept the answer or the opinion. So if somebody was going to tell me that the symptoms aren't related, I appreciate your opinion, but I'm going to go elsewhere. I ended up finding a naturopath who had experience, has experience in Hashimoto's, has experience in autoimmune disorders, has experience in thyroid function, and was willing to actually dig deeper and figure it out with me. And that's all this is. We're just figuring it out. And so from that point forward, it was kind of my own healing journey. And then in 2020, when my day job, we were sent home, I was the first time that I had gotten to really rest. And then I really noticed my health elevating at that point, because kind of learning all the stuff that works for me as far as food works for me as far as movement, but the biggest component in most everything is stress and rest. And so being able to come home and just be home is when I started to really notice some differences. And then, you know, as I start to feel better, I was like, well, you know what? I don't want any other woman to go through this again. And because the thyroid and autoimmune, it's so individual and it's so tricky it's a trial and error, but it's very much individualized to you and to your life, to your stress level, to your experience. And so I got certified as a nutritional therapy practitioner. I just recently finished my certification as a restorative wellness practitioner, which goes more into gut health. So it's, it's very much related. And I know that's such a hot term right now, but in this way, we actually test 
your poop, which is so cool. So I'm like, yeah, let's talk about gut health all day, but we need to know what's going on really know what's going on inside of you. So that just kind of sparked my passion to help other women, to lead other women and to use kind of, you know, the foundation that I had built as far as an athlete and just stubborn discipline, stubborn <laughs> competitiveness with myself to accept that it's, it's just not, it's not the way that I want to live my life, but also just listening to my gut and saying that there has to be a better way. And there is a better way. You are right. You know, following that intuition, which I'm sure that it's like your bread and butter. So that is the long winded version of how I got from there to here. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all of that. There is so much to unpack there. So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll dig a little yeah. deeper into some of those things, but I really resonate. I was diagnosed first with Graves disease, then with Hashimoto's in 2011 after the birth of my first daughter. Mm -hmm. And they do all these blood tests and stuff after you've had a baby and they are like, hmm, something doesn't seem right here. So I resonate with so much of what you were saying, just in terms of how I was feeling and like never really getting the answers and not really being satisfied with what they were telling me. And, oh, you're just going to have to be on a pill for the rest of your life. And there's no managing it. This is just how it is. So I love that you advocated for yourself and your health. So I would love for you to tell women more about how they can be comfortable almost to like do that advocating because it is, there is a sense of discomfort because mm -hmm. you do think the doctors are supposed to have all the answers and know the things, right? And, and you really push back and I admire that so much. Thank you. It took me a while. I think for anybody, I think for women, I hope that we get to the point that enough is enough. And when you get to that rock bottom moment where I was, I mean, I've, I've had a couple, I think we all have had a couple, if not more rock bottom moments in our life that were, you know, kind of facing a crossroad of this is enough. I think that will, that will always help. But I hope that by sharing my story and you sharing your story, we can interject before it gets to the point where you're just, you're at the enough is, is enough point. I'm really leaning into the thyroid health part of not only the physical part, but this part of using your voice. I think when we suppress our voice and just like my experience coaching, when I suppress setting boundaries for myself, when I don't stick up for myself, when I am fearful of saying something because it could upset or disrupt the opinion of others, that is energy that we're keeping in, or that is something that we're holding in. It's not really expressing who we are and what we want. I think that has just as much impact on our health, specifically our thyroid health as the food that we eat and the movement that we do. So I think practice just like anything practice in moments, and it doesn't have to be with a doctor or anything like that, but practice in moments within the home with just saying more of what you think, sharing more of what you want practice, you know, with a friend, as far as if somebody asks you to do something and figuring out a way to say, no, that's always really hard. But I think it's really good to note too, that doctors are people. And this, the endocrinologist that told me there was nothing I could do is still a top endocrinologist. She just doesn't have experience in what I was experiencing. And so we got, we just have to be really careful with who we put up on a pedestal. And also your voice matters just as much as that doctor's voice and really valuing your opinion over others. I think depending on what room we're in, we value our, our opinion, we value our voice at different levels. And so when we can start to, to really lean into and believe 
really believe that our, our opinion matters just as much as that endocrinologist says, that's when it becomes easier to advocate for yourself or even just to live your life in the way that you, you really want. Mm, I love that so much. I do think that we have this women, especially have this thought that we're not allowed to question quote unquote Mm. authority. And so I, I love all of your tips. I think that's so amazing. You also mentioned a little bit about stress and how it affects your health. So I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. I mean, I think there's things that are obvious, like higher blood pressure and things like that. Does stress affect your thyroid specifically? Yes. So our thyroid is so incredibly sensitive. It's like a butterfly shaped organ, which I feel like is perfect because butterflies are delicate and cute and beautiful. And everything impacts your thyroid. It's, it's just so sensitive. And what's also interesting is that your thyroid and your adrenal glands are very much intertwined. So if you are constantly in the fight or flight mode, and we, and we now know that that is ingrained in us to protect us, that fight or flight, it's for us to get a surge of energy. It's for our, our organs to kind of be on the back burner. It's blood goes to our muscles to get us the heck out of a situation that we should not be in. And we need that. The problem is, is that especially as women and especially in America, our fight or flight response, that's more like a norm of our every day. So if we're constantly in that state, when we're in the state, our functioning like digestion is put on the back burner because we don't need to be digesting when we're running from whatever. If we're always overtaxing our adrenals, which very much is kind of tied to the stress, you can look at it kind of like a scale. And so if your adrenals are taxed, your thyroid function is going to be quite low. If your thyroid, you know, function is overly functioning, sometimes that affects like your adrenal function. So everything is connected. And I think that we know that, but I don't think we really know that because even looking at symptoms, we think what can fix the symptom and it's really looking at function. And so when we are addressing stress, we need to be addressing life stress we need to be addressing, you know, the stress that maybe movement is putting on you. We need to be addressing the, our own internal thoughts that are causing us to constantly be in this high stress or shameful or guilt state. All of the stress that you're feeling is directly impacting your body, but it's also directly impacting the functioning of your body because we are programming our body to constantly have to be in a fight or flight response. And it's not meant to be in that response for very long. Once we're in that response for so long, it's, it's very much depleting our energy sources. It's depleting the functioning of our organs and our body is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. That's the thing we get. Sometimes we get so frustrated with our symptoms or so frustrated with our body. Why aren't you responding? Why aren't you losing weight? Your body is directly responding to what's going on. And so I think just really kind of looking at it is less as personal and more as how can I support that? How can I support a less stressful experience? And I know that it's not easy in this time, but do realize it is necessary because even if you're doing everything correctly, if you're eating the perfect way, if you're moving perfectly, if you have all the supplements, if you are not addressing your stress, you're you're not going to really see results, let alone feel results. Yes, 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 yes to all of that. (laughs) Because I just remember when I, even before I was diagnosed, which almost felt like validation in some ways, but I was like 
so tired and I could, you know, I felt like this horrible person. And I, part of it, I thought was from being a new mom, but honestly, even before I became pregnant, I was just always tired. I always felt stressed. Mm -hmm. My adrenals, I knew they were shot, even though, you know, no doctor would diagnose me with adrenal Mm -hmm. fatigue. I like, I knew it was a thing. And I just kept thinking, well, maybe I just need to work out more. So I have since learned, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about how not necessarily more is more when you have a thyroid issue. I think we are all under this assumption that the more you work out, the more weight you'll lose, the healthier you'll get. And I found for myself, at least in the beginning, I had to take it slow by totally maxing out my energy, I almost had the opposite effect. That's really interesting. I think that some of the biggest pieces of advice that I hear that any sort of doctor or somebody gives, especially to women, unfortunately, it's work out more and eat less, right? Every solution is work out more and eat less. And so if we're talking about a disruption of function, or we're talking about an autoimmune response, We really need to focus on supporting the function of your thyroid, of your gut, of your detox, your liver system. Let's focus on supporting the function so that it can do its job so that you can lose the weight so that you can gain energy. We are attacking it from the opposite where I want to lose weight. So I'm going to do what I think is best. I don't think we ever do anything, hopefully with ill intentions to our body, but I really, I want to lose weight so dang bad. I'm going to work out more. I'm going to restrict myself more without addressing the function. So if you have something that's going on, we have to really address that issue so that you can lose the weight so that you can gain the energy so that you can feel like yourself again. And I think that's where we get a little, little bit turned around there and me included in my uh, beginning of my journey. And I think you brought up such a great point because I think when, if you've experienced it, you know, but there's a very, very big difference between being tired and being fatigued. And most of the time with thyroid or autoimmune chronic fatigue is one of the main issues. How are you supposed to work out when you barely have energy to go to the grocery store? How are you supposed to work out when you barely have energy to and get out of bed in the morning. And even though movement does like energy creates energy, sometimes forcing yourself when you are in that much of a depleted state of energy, it is only going to not serve you in the way that you're hoping. And so the answer for that is rest, especially as new mamas. The answer for that is rest. You are not on anyone's timeline to get any sort of body back. You are not on anyone's timeline to be back to your quote unquote old self. I think being very aware of your level of tiredness, your level of fatigue, because sometimes pushing through that fatigue by working out is going to actually have the opposite effects. And when I work with my clients, one of the things I like to say, and what I do is we need your body to feel safe to release the weight. So if we're stressed out and then movement, high intensity movement is stress. It's a good stress when your body is ready to support that. But if you're chronically fatigued, if you're already stressed out, if you're a new mama, if you're new job, if you're worried about finances, and then you are pushing yourself when you probably hate it, you don't want to do it. And then after your workout, you feel even more depleted. Your body is going to hold on to any sort of energy that you put in it. So any food that you put in, even if you're not eating a lot, 
your body's going to hold on to it because it's like, Hey, we are in a stressed freaking state. We don't know what's coming around the corner. Your body does not feel safe to, to do its job. So what it's doing, it's protecting you. It's going to really hold on to anything that you provide it. And so that's where we kind of beat our head against the wall because you're like, I'm doing all of these things, even though I don't feel very good, I'm disciplined. I'm doing, you know, all of these things that we, again, just take everything so personally when we can maybe try some other things and give your body a nice rest or break and see kind of how that helps to catch up with your goals that may not be right now but doesn't mean that you can't have those same goals in the future. It doesn't mean you can't do high interval training in the future. We just have to get your body and your energy to feel safe where it's at now to set you up for that energy expenditure in the future. Oh, that makes so much sense. And I wish I would have had you in my pocket 15 years ago. (laughs) All of that would have been so helpful. And I know you mentioned um, talking about the function of your gut and everything Mm -hmm. on the insides. And I know we tend to get like 12 year old little boys when we talk about our poop, but Mm -hmm. what can a poop test tell you about your health? Yes. I love talking all about poop. It's, it's, it's such a great indicator of what's going on. And, you know, for anything that you're experiencing, any quote unquote symptom that you're experiencing, it is just your body's way of communicating what the heck's going on, what it, what it's experiencing. So poop is no different with an in-depth poop stool, whatever analysis we go deep, but a few things that we can look at overall function, we can look at your enzyme output. We need enzymes to break down our food. We can look at, is your body producing enough hydrochloric acid, which is like most of us, we are either not producing or really low and hydrochloric acid is just our stomach acid. And it's so important because our stomach acid actually cleans, it sanitizes our food and it breaks down our food. So if you're experiencing a lot of bloating after meals, if you're experiencing severe heartburn, if you, you used to really like meat and now you've just totally your, it's off putting you and you don't know why that could be just your body can't break it down anymore. It does not have sufficient amount of stomach acid. And that's a really easy fix, by the way, what we can look at is your body right now responding to gluten. How is your immune system? Is your immune system like on full alert? Is it overreacting? Is your immune system really suppressed? So how can we really support not only the function of your digestive system, how can we support if there is an, an immune response right now, which is a lot of inflammation or how can we bring down inflammation? How can we support function? And what the kicker is in that is that I can also provide with the stool test is providing it's, it's called an MRT. It's a blood test And it's not a food sensitivities test. It's a test that shows us what foods today are causing your body the most inflammation. It doesn't mean you're allergic to them. It means they're probably bothering you. So what we do with that is that we support your function due to your stool or poop results. And we remove inflammation so that it just can like heal, actually heal your gut. And then we slowly bring those foods back in. Because what happens is we get all with good intentions is like, I want to know something's off with my stomach. So I want to know what food is causing it. And by the way, food is a big factor, but it's not the only factor. So I think it's just something that's so tangible for us. Or, you know, if if I have a piece of pizza and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I feel so off or I feel this. 
well, we can still have reactions to something that I ate 72 hours ago. So we don't really know if it's the pizza, right? The thing is, is if you do take a food sensitivity test, just, just do your due diligence and kind of how it's testing, because if you remove those foods, but your function's still a little off, your body will start then reacting to the foods that you are continuing to consume. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm going to remove those. And you're going to get to a point where it's like, everything I eat is a reaction. So it just is really cool to, it's a, it's a very in-depth way to, to see what's going on with you digestion wise, function wise, autoimmune wise, and then also be able to support healing and remove inflammation and have a clear plan on how to bring back those, those foods so that you don't feel like I can never eat strawberries again. You know, who wants to live in a world where you just can't eat a long list of foods. And so that really is for me, I think everybody talks so much about gut health and it's so important. And we've, we're only skimming the surface of how important it is and how much it really, you know, affects our, our overall functioning, but it does bother me that it's such a marketing term as well. And so just be, you know, be very diligent in asking the questions and asking how something is supposed to help, help your gut health. And it's like, heal your gut, lose the weight. And it's always lose the weight, lose the weight is always the end goal. And I understand that that's such a, it's a big part of our outcome and it's great to have aesthetic goals. Absolutely. But we also have to support function. And we also have to really kind of look at what else is the weight like mean to you? Does it mean you're not enough? Does it mean that you're not, you know, beautiful enough? Does it mean you're aging in a negative way? What does the weight mean to you? Because you can lose all of the weight. We can do all of the things, but if we don't work on what's going on inside, if your belief in yourself, you valuing yourself, you feeling like your opinion matters in any room, then once you hit the weight loss goal, it's going to feel empty. Or once you restrict your way, once you negatively judge and shame and guilt your way to that weight loss goal, it's just not going to be as fulfilling as I sometimes think that we imagine. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it's not just sustainable, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're blaming yourself or shaming yourself to losing weight or whatever Mm -hmm. your goal is, like at some point the bottom's going to fall out of that. I love what you were talking about as far as the mind body connection, because I think that we have this sense of when I look a certain way, I will feel a certain way. And Mm -hmm. instead it really should be, I feel a certain way. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to feel confident or beautiful or whatever it may be. And then that will catapult you to start losing weight. Mm -hmm. So I was on a weight loss journey two years ago. And one of the things that I did that I swear by is every morning when I was getting dressed, I would look at myself in the mirror and I would tell myself I was beautiful and I was doing a good job and I was Mm -hmm. so strong. And so I think that's so important. And I don't think enough people really talk about how much of a change that can make in your life when you're trying to do something physical, how much the mental plays into it. And this is something that actually was a big aha for me this summer because I took on a lot. I I, I tend to take on a lot at once and then I feel super overwhelmed and then I feel guilty about feeling overwhelmed. And then I do the thing that I help people not do is that I put my health on the back burner trying to do all the things. So then I feel hypocritical about my role as a nutrition coach and a leader and, and it just 
it's a rabbit hole, right? I just let it go. And I, you know, I think for women, the term of I've let myself go, it's just like, oh, wow. You know, I, I, can we please just support each other as women? Can we please, you know, continue to shift the feelings of jealousy or competitiveness or envy, whatever. Can we start to shift it please? And when, you know, you look at a woman and if you ever say something to like, oh, she's let herself go. You know, I think that that is it was even one of my biggest fears aging. Like, I don't, oh, I don't ever want to, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm an athlete. I don't want to take care of myself, but all that stuff. Right. So this summer I literally got so overwhelmed. Then I physically got sick and I just, I threw it in. I threw in the towel and I said, F it. I'm doing, I'm just let, I'm letting it go. And I stopped listening to all of the how to's. I stopped working out. I stopped feeling so much guilt and like, fear around my food choices. And so even I have stuff to work through. So, you know, for me, gluten is a big one or having alcohol or anything like that. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to eat exactly what I want to eat. I'm going to drink what I want to drink. I'm going to enjoy my summer. And and I'm not going to worry about, I would get worried about the symptoms I hadn't even experienced before I'd done the thing. And it was causing so much mind energy and feelings of, guilt or whatever I'm putting on myself. And I let it go. And it was the most freeing experience I've had. And in that I found a different way to do business the way I wanted to do business in that. I found that, you know what? I don't work out like I used to, but I will always, and I am always an athlete lean into that because I'm so proud of that part of myself and, and that athlete mentality. And that is who I am. Why would I let that go? in letting go, I did not experience a ton of symptoms around food. So what does that have to say about all the stressful thoughts that I was using, eating a certain way or feeling guilty about not eating it in a certain way or feeling guilty about not moving. I let go of all of the judgments of all of the rules I put on myself. And you guys, I didn't experience any symptoms. In fact, I felt more present this summer than I have in a really long time. I wasn't on Instagram that much. I was with my family most of the summer, not doing anything crazy, just with the people. And I just gave myself really permission to say, F it, let's see what happens. And it was one of the most freeing experiences. And maybe I gained a couple of pounds. I don't know. But then I started to think, what is doable for me? What is doable in, in a movement sense? What is doable in the way that I want to like nourish my body? but that I also feel freedom within that. Right. And so I just, and I just actually released a podcast episode today about keeping promises to ourselves. I kept one promise to myself for 30 days for 30 days. I walked two miles every day, every three or four days. I may be, I may have missed a day. And then I would make up that two miles in the coming days. However, that looked like, well, then I started to walk run. Well, by the end of that 30 days, I finished with a five mile run. Now, listen, it was not fast. I am not fast, but it wasn't the point. I experienced so much progress. I experienced so much pride that I actually followed through on what I said I was going to do. And then I also created a lot of momentum for myself. So then the next step is like, okay, I want my body composition to change. I want to become strong because that's how I'm most confident. What's doable for me with running a business. It's two days a week at the gym. And yeah, that If I was to go three or four days, I'd probably get a lot quicker results or look, well, I don't care. It is doable. And I am just going to keep a promise to myself. 
and I'm going to go in like 110%. And every time I keep a promise to myself, I build integrity with who I say I am, who, when I say something, I'm building integrity that I actually back it up and I, I, you know, back it up with action. I also am practicing prioritizing myself within our busy life. And what I do is going to look very different from what you do or a new mom, but we can start to practice prioritize ourselves because we, we want to do all of the things we want to do the self-care. We want to do all of the things, but the, the thing is, as soon as life throws something in the way if, in a crazy day, what we intend to do for ourselves is the first thing to go. It's the first thing to go. We are serving so many people and we are serving so many of other people's priorities. We don't have anything left for us, which is going to loop back to us being overstressed, overwhelmed, and just feeling like we have nothing left in the tank. And then maybe looking in the mirror and saying, I don't even recognize you. And so that's kind of just what I've been working on and found that taking one small promise at a time and going all in. So planning that out, if, and, and if it doesn't look perfectly great, then let's figure out a solution to make it work the next day. And that's all it is. It's just a trial and error. So that was a very roundabout answer, but that's kind of for me, me letting it go helped me to come home to myself, but also my body completely regulated without all of the stress and without all of the should haves and would haves and could haves. I love that so much. And I, to some extent, did the same thing over the summer. And now I'm just getting back to some sort of routine. But, you know, last summer, like two summers ago, I was super busy and I didn't get to spend time with my kids. And I promised them that this summer would not be like last summer. So this year we made a bucket list and we did something every week. We went somewhere, we did something, we tried something we'd never done. And I didn't worry about the calories or if I missed some workouts and did I gain weight? Yeah, I can tell because of the way my clothes fit, but I didn't get on a scale. I wasn't worried about it. Mm -hmm. And that quality of life trumps any weight loss Mm -hmm. or any cute little outfit I could fit into for (laughs) sure. So we might've touched on this just a little bit already, but what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see women making when it comes to their health? I think pursuing health for others, you know, pursuing health for others, just looking a certain way for others. I want you to look and feel your absolute best for you. I think the calories in calories out, as we get older, our bodies are so complex, but as we age, we have a lot more going on. We have, whether you've had kids or not, your stress, all of your life experience up to this point is, is influenced who you are today, but has influenced your body today. So the calories in calories out for me is kind of, I get it, but it just is, it's a little old school for me. You know, I want to support really focus on supporting function and how you want to feel and also how you want to live your life. I think we have so much focus on how we look and how we much we weigh and what we eat. And there's, there's so much space that gets taken up in our day in our mind. What if we could reduce that by 25%, how much more could we enjoy life? How much more creative could we be? I think we're, we're always so caught up in, in do more, do more, do more. We just never allow ourselves to be in rest. And I think that kind of stems from we're, we're just not enough. So you got to keep doing more and more to prove it, right. To prove you're enough. And I think really getting out of the, you know, what counts as a workout, it doesn't count as a workout being fearful around food and not that that's a mistake. I just think that that's very much kind of our, where we're at right now. 
kind of blaming food or, or under the impression that your, your metabolism is slow or something's wrong with you. And so I just really think it kind of rounds out to just really, you pursue your health for you. You deserve to feel your absolute best and aging doesn't have to suck. You don't, you don't have to settle for symptoms as a part of aging. That's BS. Don't settle. If you want to look a certain way, go after it. If you want to feel a certain way, go after it. If you know in your gut that something is off, but somebody tells you that, you know, you're normal, thanks for your opinion. If you have the ability, go after the next one, find somebody that will not only support you in, in, in your symptoms and feeling better, but find somebody that's going to listen, find somebody that's going to dig deeper, find somebody that's going to be on your team to get you where you want to go. So I think really just believing in yourself, coming home to who you are, advocating for yourself and whatever your goals of health are, do it for you. Oh my gosh. All of that is so good. I can't wait to go back and listen to this episode. (laughs) So I would love for you to tell my listeners, what is the name of your podcast and what, where is the best place to find you? Yeah. So the name of my podcast is the chronic athlete. We have, if you love podcasting, I'm obsessed with podcasts. So just started a Facebook group of the chronic athlete podcast community. It's kind of a mouthful where of course we'll be, you know, having more discussions about personal development and growth and a place to connect with like-minded people. But I've also just started once a month, I will be hosting a live podcast interview within that group where people can be a part of the energy of like our conversation now. So you can have a chance to ask questions after the recording, the members will have 20 minutes or however long the guests would like to connect, to ask questions. It's a way to, to connect and be an energy of somebody that you may never have stumbled upon in life. And through podcasting, I'm not sure I'm, I'm assuming it's similar experience, but connecting with people is such a gift relating to people is such a gift. And just being open to hearing someone else's life experience can also trigger action for your life, can also trigger creativity for how that can be implemented in your way. And so I think just kind of bringing the podcast and bringing more people in is, you know, only going to elevate kind of the experience overall, but also creativity and connection. And you just, you never know know what door is going to open next. I think just being open minded in that too is uh, really powerful. So you can find me at Instagram. Instagram at coach Amy Ray. If you have any questions about thyroid, about health, about what blood tests to ask for, and by the way, ask for the blood tests, they're very easy to run. And so if a doctor is saying that they can't or won't, we can talk to me about that. We can, we can do something about that, but um, that's another part of advocating for yourself. Sometimes doctors don't feel like there's anything you can do about Hashimoto's or Graves disease. So they won't test for it. And that is absolutely untrue. So if you have any questions like that, feel free to reach out. I love to connect and help in any way I can. Absolutely. And I will link everything in the show notes. And it's funny what you said. I had to fight the last time I wanted to get a full panel on my thyroid. Mm -hmm. They really just wanted to do, what is it? T3, I think it is. And they didn't want to do anything else. And when I got to the lab, they're like, no, there's nothing else here. And I had to go back and fight to get, you know, and I didn't understand why it was so hard, you know? Yes. This conversation has been amazing, but before I let you go, I like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions. So my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Okay. You don't have to answer quickly. I just want you to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. What is your favorite way to show up for yourself as it relates to self-care? Walking in nature with my dogs. 
I keep thinking now that it's cooled off where I live, I should take my dog out for walks mm. more. <laughs> it's my favorite. What is something you do for fun? Go wine tasting with friends. I love that. I don't drink anymore, but I used to really, really love wine. <laughs> <laughs> if there was an extra hour in each day, what would you spend it doing? I think that would be ever changing. I think just giving myself an hour to just do whatever the F I feel like. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. it. How would your best friend describe you? Sarcastic, loyal, and supportive. Those are great things to be. All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? I would give myself the same advice that I'm now on my mission for is to believe in yourself, your opinion matters, and trust your gut. Amen to that. (laughs) Amy, I have loved this conversation so much. You have been so inspiring. Thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait for my listeners to get to meet you. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it very much. Oh my goodness, how I wish I would have had Amy in my life 15 years ago. But honestly, everything she shared today still resonates. I actually still don't feel like I'm at my optimal health, so I might be reaching out to her for one of those poop tests. Maybe that's TMI, but I really want all of you to think about being the CEO of your health. It is up to you to make sure your body is running on all cylinders. Nobody is going to do that for you because they can't feel what you're feeling. I really loved what Amy said about keeping promises to yourself and prioritizing yourself. One small promise leads to another promise, which leads to another promise. Eventually, you're going to know you can trust yourself even with the big promises. And your health? That's a big promise. Don't get so busy that you put yourself on the back burner. Put your own oxygen mask on before helping others. The only way you can help others is if you are at your best. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe or follow my show wherever you listen to podcasts. By subscribing to the show, you help the podcast platforms push my show out to potential listeners. And that, my friends, is priceless. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about.